Hey everyone, welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. I'm Loren, and I will be interviewing some of the top leaders and innovators from the dance and acrobatic industry. If you are a teacher, performer, student, or a lifelong learner like myself, you are sure to find these episodes intriguing and full of inspiration. Acrobatic Arts is passionate about providing current and relevant information for everyone. So please, sit back and enjoy as we share our passion with you and the world. In this episode, I am talking with the wonderful Sarah Davison. After a successful dancing career in Las Vegas, she transitioned to work behind the scenes as one of Cirque du Soleil's casting directors. Let's listen as Sarah shares her story and gives fantastic advice for all performing artists. Hi, Sarah, and welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. Well, hi, and thank you so much for having me. I have to say that I am thrilled to be talking to you today. You have lived a life that most dancers only dream about, and now you are using those experiences to help guide other artists and athletes through their own journeys as they start new chapters in their lives. So why don't we start by you telling us about your background, where you grew up, how you started dancing, and where that took you as a performing artist. So a little bit about me. I am French, born and raised. Um, My mom was a ballet teacher. She had been trained at the Paris Opera School. Um, So very uh, traditional ballet teacher. And I fell in love with ballet and dance uh, very, very early. Like I literally forced her to take me to class when I was three years old. Um, And that was all I was wanting to hear about. Um, So it was pretty clear that I wanted to be a dancer. Um, and I, and I grew through the ranks and I, and I did the national schools and I had all the awards and all this stuff. Um, I actually graduated from dance college at 16, uh, before I graduated high school. So, uh, dance was really my passion. I was breathing, living, sleeping dance. Um, and, and ballet was my primary passion. I wasn't the typical ballerina. Um, and, and in a country like France, uh, it, it, I will say it as a difference from uh, America where where I moved later on. Uh, It's very much you're either a ballerina or you're a jazz dancer or you're a contemporary dancer. Um, And I wasn't the typical type for a ballet dancer and there were very much types uh, to to get into that career. So so I had some roadblocks which forced me to open uh, open my horizons a little bit. Um, I eventually moved to Paris where I studied my professional career, doing a lot of gigging, working with a jazz company uh, at first, and then stumbled into an audition for a show with Franco Dragon, which I had never even heard about because I was in such a strictly dancer uh, niche. Um, and, and Franco really had done circus, which I wasn't very close to. Um, and Franco was putting together uh, the uh, Celine Dion show and was doing auditions all over the world. So I just stumbled into that audition out of nowhere. Um, I think I was working at Disneyland Paris at the time. <laughs> and um, and the rest is history. I mean, this audition really opened my mind. It opened my, uh, my horizons. Uh, I was hired onto the show. We did six months of crazy creation in Belgium, 
where we had to train acrobatics, we had to train aerials, we sang, we, we did uh, percussions on the top of dancing, creating. Uh, really, that opened my mind to, ooh, there's a lot more than point shoes and tutus and, and something else. And that's kind of what I want to do. So eventually, that brought me here to Las Vegas. Um, 19, 18 years ago. <laughs> so that, that uh, it's been a minute. We, we did about five years with Celine. It was a fantastic, uh, fantastic show, fantastic cast. And after the five years were done and the show closed, I decided to stay. I was very lucky to move on and keep working with Franco um, at Le Rev when they created the ballroom section. I did this for about three and a half years. And I uh, always had my eye on Cirque. Um, so uh, Cirque du Soleil, I mean, ever since working with Franco and going to CO and Mystère when we first moved here was, was a very much a dream company to join. And eventually I was offered a contract and joined the, the show Viva Elvis, where I danced for a little bit less than two years. They announced the closing of the show. And once they did that, I really was in front of a big turn and I had a big fork in front of me where it was like either you continue dancing or you start thinking of the next steps um, and that's when I realized I was married at the time I had done three of the major productions here in Las Vegas I mean that was beyond any of my career expectations at this point and I was ready to take on a new challenge and, and step up the stage um, and that's when I was lucky enough to um, get hired at the casting uh, department here at Cirque. And, um, and the rest is history. I stayed at casting for about eight and a half years, uh, held many auditions, eventually grew into the head of the department here in Las Vegas. And, and really being on the other side and helping young artists into their dreams uh, was so much more fulfilling than being on stage. That's absolutely amazing, Sarah. As I said, truly living the dancer's dream and even above that because you get to continue by working with the other artists and athletes. So it, it didn't stop for you. I think what I've been lucky with is that I've been on both sides of the room, you know? So I didn't just become a casting agent out of nowhere from a production, you know, I really came from an artist. So I... I would look at an artist and be like, I know exactly how you feel, buddy. So you got to shake it off because you have the gift and we see it. But unless you give me the best of yourself, it's not going to happen. And they would look at me like, like she just talked to my soul. You know what I mean? And I, I think that really helped with, uh, with successful additions, you know, because I would go in bare feet. I would go like at some especially like for clowns and stuff like that, we would get the table away. There would not be a table there. We'd just be in the room with them. Like it's just knowing how to, to become a part of their group and making them relate to you so that they respond better. Otherwise it's like, oh, it's a casting agent. There's a table, my resume here, and then I'm here. Like they feel judged. Um, so that's what I loved about Cirque is that we really wanted to make it a human connection with people versus a judgment call. It was a fun gig. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know it must have been a difficult fork in the road that you had. How did you know it was time to stop performing? And what was it like transitioning into, as some people would say, the real world? 
So for me, it was always something I had in the back of my mind. Um, you know, as I said, my mom was a ballet teacher. So I was always in the production aspect in everything she did. I would teach, I would uh, take care of lightings, I would take care of making sure the music was right. I was always in, you know, the lighting booth or whatever during the shows. Um, even when I was performing, we would always have shows on the side and I would never be scared to be like, well, you know what, on this one, I'll actually help with costumes or I'll do a little bit of stage management or, you know. Um, so I had always wanted to see what was going on elsewhere. And I think that that's a big thing to keep that open mind and to, to stay aware of what's around you uh, because that could eventually become your transition. I think transitions are really uh, hard, you know, transitions from students to professional, transitions from athlete to artist, transitions from artist to whatever else you want to do after, you know. Yeah, I think transition is a big thing and it's a thing that's not really talked about by a lot of people. Like they're, everybody's always in the now and we don't always think of like the plan B and you know, uh, or how to prepare for those futures. Um, and for me, it was really time for me to not work at night anymore. Uh, I never saw my husband. We were married for three years and we had completely opposite schedules. And, and I just wanted to be home at night, you know. Uh, and I was lucky to transition into a role that was still doing what I loved, that was still using my expertise, that was still... Uh, in the middle of the world that, that, that I was passionate about. And on top of it, I was helping people. Uh, so uh, th this role at casting was very, uh, it's a key role in a production because you really are the, the first person the, the artists meet when they come to the company. Um, so it's a big responsibility. You're kind of an ambassador. And that really, that, that, that made me, um, you know, that, that, that gave me the chills every single time I had audition and I had 300 dancers in front of me. Wow. I know a lot of dance teachers and studio owners can relate to the working at night and not seeing their significant others. Yeah. We all sort of go through that part of it and want to create a better life for ourselves where we can actually be with the person that we want to be with. So as you said, it's so amazing that you got the opportunity to have a job still in the industry that you love, but that fit into a better time schedule for you and your family. So that's, you know, I love when things work out like that for people who are awesome. <laughs> now, Sarah, what advice would you give artists as they start auditioning and presenting themselves to the world? Um, that's a really good one. Um, there was a phrase that we used to say at every single audition and we would start with, don't try to show us what you think we want to see. Um, and, and this one was key. I think, especially at Cirque, there was a, a preconception of what was needed. Um, and, you know, there were so many projects and so many projects that weren't even happening yet that we may have kind of in our head and, you know, we had to, to, to look for in the down low that uh, I think the biggest advice is be you. Um, if you can be the most honest you, and of course the best version of yourself, um, then you can't do anything wrong because you may actually be what we are looking for. Um, I think this advice is important also because 
once you get on stage, you don't wanna you you, you want to be something that is true to you. You want to you want to be able to be happy on stage. So if you're not honest in your audition, then you may bring the wrong image and therefore be cast for the wrong role for you. You know, um, so yeah, be being honest to who you are as an artist. Of course, um, you know, follow all the directions. Uh, bring your A-game technically, uh, really be open to what's happening in the room, listen, listen, listen. Um, I don't know one casting director or director or choreographer that will not give you a million hints uh, while they teach, while, while, you know, while they throw notes, take it all in. I mean, it's a learning, uh, it's a learning process as well when you're in the room. Whether you get the gig or not, you should really take this as Let's take it all in and I'm gonna get out of here grown and, and with something that I didn't have when I first came in. Words of wisdom from Sarah Davison. Uh, <laughs> that's so true in everything in life. Every experience we have, we need to learn from it and that's how we grow as people and artists. So when you were working with Cirque du Soleil as part of the casting team, it sounds like you worked with dancers but also a lot of high level athletes. And there is a difference between being an athlete trained for specific physical events and as opposed to an artist who has to go on a stage and tell a story. How would you help these athletes become artists? Um, so for us, really, at the audition stage, it was uh, to see where they were as far as their artistic level and artistic abilities um, and what the potential was. Uh, you know, are they able to pick up choreography? Can they move well? Are they dynamic? Are they able to uh, communicate with an audience? Are they able to portray a character? Um, so these were all things that we would test and, and we would have little games and little exercises just to make them loosen up. I mean, often it was really just about loosening up and getting that fear out of the, uh, you know, out of their mind because it's not their expertise, right? Uh, um, so it was really just, just take it as another movement <laughs> uh, time and, and we're just gonna play. And I think once you, in, you bring the word play into it, then it becomes different. It's not work, it's not, uh, it's not you don't see it as something new. It's just, it's just a game. Let's just play and see where it goes. Um, and for us, seeing artists that didn't necessarily, like they weren't necessarily there, but they had an open mind and we saw them trying and grow through the audition, that was huge. Um, because if you can see an artist changing in the, the span of two days, then imagine how much they can change in the span of four weeks when they're integrating a show. Right. Would you say that uh, there were any sort of common downfalls or common things athletes or artists would do that would definitely hinder their chances at getting a job with Cirque? I think the, the worst thing that you could do is not believe in yourself. Um, usually, especially with Cirque, by the time you get into the audition room, there was, I don't know, maybe two, three, <laughs> two, three things that you had to go through that, that you were selected through. Um, so you are in the room for a reason. And that's because we've seen something that we like. And uh, so the worst thing you can do is not trust your abilities once you're in the room, because once you're there, sell yourself, you know? Um, and then I think just 
having a closed mind and being like, well, I, I don't know how to do this, so I'm not going to do it. Um, is probably not going to go in your favor. Uh, and, and some athletes and, and, you know, are, you know, they're very much in their lane of like, well, I've worked for 20 years into this. Why would I have to do this as well? And I get it. <laughs> but at the same time, if you wanted to um, get into a production like Cirque du Soleil, then you have to become this well-rounded artist. So again, the open mind is probably the key to doing it all. I think in the end, we would have we would prefer hiring an artist that was slightly less skilled, but with much more of an open mind and, and a growth path in front of them, rather than somebody that is extremely skilled, but doesn't want to do anything else. I think you're a great example of that because you did mention you wanted to be a ballet dancer. That was your dream to be a ballerina. How cool is that? But you weren't the typical ballerina and so then you ended up in a jazz company and then from that you went on and and trained in all these other different genres and so you really became versatile and then I'm sure that's what appealed when people were auditioning you that you would you know try everything try your hardest that you've already expanded your knowledge in that way you're a great leader for the artists coming up as well to show them that yeah, don't be so stuck in on one thing because you can do many things, which is great to pass on to everyone. Is there anything else that you would say to help artists? Maybe that we're in the same position as you, they're performing and they're at that point where maybe it's the schedule or maybe it's their body that can't uh, keep up with the work anymore. What would you say to them to help them figure out if it's time for them to stop performing? Um, I mean, if it's your body, you'll know, <laughs> obviously. Uh, but I think once you start getting that itch of, should I keep doing this? Then it's, uh, it's the latest you should start looking at what other uh, interests uh, you have in your life. And it could be something related to performance or it could be something completely different. Uh, you know, uh, like, I don't know, you like interior design, then, then get into this. I mean, especially if you're on a show schedule, then you should have at least half a day where you should be able to, to take that time to, to put towards your next path. Um, but I really wouldn't wait until that itch. I really would start thinking, I mean, I tried to think about what was next when I first, when I was in my twenties, you know, because it could stop, it could very easily stop quickly. Uh, we know injuries happen, you know, and, and sometimes you just can't heal out of it. And you're, if you're in front of that door, um, and you don't have a plan B, then it's, it's almost too late. Um, at the same time, it's really reflect on, on you and don't, don't you know, uh, let's say you do have an injury and it stops quickly, then be kind to yourself. Let your body heal and, and, and take the time to figure out what you really want to do. The transition is hard in itself because, you know, you, you, you are basically paid to, to do what you love. Like it's not a job, <laughs> it was never a job. So you need to figure out what you're gonna be able to do with your life where you're gonna have that as close of a feeling of this not being a job. Is this gonna be transferring your skills 
into something close to performing, maybe may be coaching, teaching, uh, creating, uh, you know, going into rigging, going into casting, uh, staying in the production area, or, or will you bring all the skill set, like the hard work, discipline, the, um, all of that, and just completely switch from, I don't know, to like a community, a, a career in communication, go back to school for business or, or whatever it is that, that, that make, make you happy. I think um, the gift that we have as performers and athletes and dancers is that we are skilled with so many, and I don't like calling them soft skills, they're really human skills. <laughs> um, we, we are gifted with so many human skills because we have to go through some of the harder schedules. Uh, we have to take care of our bodies. We really have to keep a mental strength all the time that we can do whatever we set ourselves to do. Um, it's, it's really about taking the time to look at yourself in the mirror and decide what that's gonna be. True. You know, when you said you need a plan B, mm. that became evident uh, last year, when the mm -hmm. pandemic started, we all didn't matter whether you were a performer or anything, we all needed a plan B. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right that dancers and athletes, we just do have that mindset. We can overcome all the obstacles that are put in front of us. Mm -hmm. uh, we just have to figure out a way. We are a small community, but we are a mighty community. Um, and I think to, to realize that there are people around you that are willing to help you through that journey and figure out who these people are. Like if you're in a show, I am sure that your show directors, uh, you know, any, uh, your coaches, anybody who knows you and who knows your quality can help you through that process as well. Um, so, so it's, you know, when, when we looked at something like last year and the pandemic and the world stopping and, and no more live entertainment and, and all of that, um, we all turn to each other and say, Hey, so how, how can we, how, how can I support you into what you want to do next so that, you know, you can make it through. And when it comes back, you can go back and, and be in the, the best shape possible type thing. Um, so, so I think that the power of the community and the people around you is really important. I agree with that 100%. Surround yourself with same goal-orientated people mm -hmm. uh, and they'll lift you up. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners about performing or transitioning or Cirque du Soleil? <laughs> I think... What I didn't realize when I was a young artist uh, is to, what I didn't do well is to really trust my gift. And, and although I've been extremely lucky with the career that I've had, you know, there were many, many no's to get to these yeses, um, even towards, you know, even once the quote unquote success came. But, but I think it's really trust in the fact that you are doing the best you can. And if you, are, if you did the best you can, then you can go home, whether you get the gig or not, whether you win the medal or not, whether, you, know, whether you, you get to the result you wanted, as long as you are your best at every single moment, um, when, it, when it matters, then just go home and, and feel good for yourself because it's a, it's a win in its own. And that's something I didn't do well. When I didn't get the gig, you know, I would beat myself up. I mean, we're, we're the worst critics of ourselves, and it helps us in the growth, but it also, I think, slows us down at times. 
Um, so, so yeah, trusting your own ability. I'm not saying be cocky about it, <laughs> um, but uh, but I think having that that uh, uh, quiet confidence about yourself will, will really take you a long way. Absolutely. And just before we say goodbye, mm -hmm. I have to tell you that Las Vegas is one of my favorite cities to visit and you've been living there for almost 18 years. Mm -hmm. So do you have any favorite shows or restaurants that I can hopefully go to the next time that I go there? Of course. I mean, uh, O is the messy <laughs> because it's the classic and it's, it's, it just doesn't get old. It's a masterpiece that will live on for ever and ever. That will be my favorite show forever. It's the show that made me cry and, and fall in love with circus arts. Um, I would say as far as restaurants, it really depends on what you like. I have a few favorite Thai foods maybe off the strip that are uh, kind of little uh, hidden gems that I'd be happy to recommend. <laughs> okay, so... What happens to the people that live in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a bad life down here. It really isn't. It must not be. You did, you know, show up there 18 years ago and, and you're still there and that's where your family is. So mm -hmm. I can imagine that it's, it's pretty awesome. And definitely when I go to Vegas next, which will hopefully be sometime soon, I will ask you for those recommendations. Okay. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Heartfelt advice from Sarah to all performers and creative humans. Be true to yourself as an artist. Don't try to show us what you think we want to see. Be you. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great day.